0: Family Welcome to The Outpouring family. with Executive Pastor Greetings. Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church it's of Philadelphia. An Join me as we head into service. As we break the bread of life together, we are living in extraordinary times as the pandemic continues to rage amidst division and unrest in our nation economic, despair, and all these things. We hope in God. Our hearts break as we hear stories of people across the nation. And as we stand here today, California is now the epicenter of COVID-19, as New York was back in April. There are more than 1 million cases in California alone. But the hardship that families are experiencing ought to cause the church to come together in prayer and stand as Moses and Aaron did between the living and the dead to cry out to God. I heard of families who not only have lost their loved ones, but they had no place to funeralize them. They had to do it in parking lots. It's unimaginable to think of the fact that we can't properly mourn. We can't be with our loved ones. We can't hug them. And then there's nowhere for them to go in death. That doesn't impact those that are gone because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord if they know him. But for the living, it's painful. And so we need to continue to pray. We're living in perilous times in this generation. And surely your faith and my faith is being tested on a daily basis. False prophets have risen up and the spirit of Antichrist is walking to and fro in the earth. In times like these, there are some things that we should know. The prophet Isaiah was right when he said, He who sits above the circle of the earth and its its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings princes to nothing. he makes the judges of the earth useless. the things that seem big to us, the things that seem unsurmountable that feel impossible, are small things to the God that we serve. And so we stand in faith. Although our faith is tested, we will not waver because the God who sits above the circle of the earth is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. There's power working in us even when our faith is tested. It is important for us to know as John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos was overtaken by the revelation and the messenger, the angel who was giving it, John had a moment where he bowed down and the angel said, no, 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 no. Get up. I'm a fellow servant like you. Worship God. We need to be reminded that we worship God. And then the angel said the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We need a resurrection in America. There are too many things that are dying. We need a resurrection. And we need to know that we worship God. And the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The prophetic isn't dying. Don't be dissuaded by false prophets. It always has been and always will be about the testimony of Jesus. So may God give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Today, we want to focus our attention on the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith. And we'll be coming from the book of James. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this privilege to come into your presence. We thank you for the opportunity to sit at your feet, to learn of you, to hear your words. Speak now, Lord, and your children will hear and obey. We are the sheep That you spoke of when you said, Your sheep hear your voice, and a stranger they will not follow. There are strangers calling your sheep, but Lord, let us hear your voice clearly. There are hirelings, there are wolves in sheep's clothing, but you are the good shepherd, and so we follow you. Bless your word now. Bless your people now and make us a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to go to the book of James in chapter 1, reading verse 2 and 3. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James encourages us to count it all joy when we fall into various trials Trials are not joyful events. But James said you ought to count it all joy because there's something working in you. When your faith is being tested, he says this, knowing there's some things that we believe, but there's some things we need to know. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Patience allows us to endure. Patience allows us to keep moving forward through hard trials and tribulations. Persecution, we can remain faithful because the patience that is produced when we go through trials carries us through. It allows us to endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. But in patience, we need to let patience have its perfect work so that we can be perfect and complete. We're complete in him, lacking nothing. Sometimes the enemy of our soul will try to make us think that as we're going through a fiery trial and things are removed from our life, or taken away that we are lacking, that we have lost. And those things can distract and pull us in a direction that God doesn't intend for us to go. And so we need to know that patience, when produced, perfects us, brings us to a place where we lack nothing. You need to know today that you don't lack anything if you're in him. Everything you need that pertains to life and godliness, he's given it to you by his divine nature. You've heard of the patience of Job and the fierce testing of his faith. But the question is, I wonder if Job while he was going through the various trials knew the thoughts that God had towards him i wonder if you as you're going through trials as you're being tested as your faith is being perfected do you know the thoughts that God has towards you or do your circumstance circumstances dictate what you perceive God thinks towards you I remember some years ago a person was having some serious health challenges here at New Covenant and they approached me, I was an associate pastor at the time, and asked a question. What have I done for God to treat me this way? What have I done for God to treat me this way? And it was clear that the perspective was, all these things that I'm going through, God has brought them on me in order to judge me for my past. And it's difficult to counsel a person who is in that state because they've convinced themselves that God is against them. But we need to know That the testing of our faith perfects us. It's designed. We go through the fire. We go through the fire for refinement. Just as gold is refined in the fire and the dross and impurities are taken away, so it is with us. God is just purifying us. Let's look a little closer at Job's life who James references in the book as one who had patience, one who developed more patience as he went through. But again, the question is, as Job was going through this hardship and suffering loss after loss, did he know what God thought about him? Job 1, 6 through 12 reads, Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Let me pause for a moment. God obviously knew where he came from because God knows everything. This is a question of accountability. Just as he asked Adam, Adam, where are you? God knew where he was, but it's a question of accountability. Are you going to confess? Are you going to be honest? Or are you going to try and fool God who knows everything? The one who sits above the circle of the earth who sees everything like grasshoppers, small things. There's nothing hidden from him. And so all of creation has to answer to God, whether they're angel or human. He asked the question of accountability to Adam, the first man, and he asked it to Satan. So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth. And from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went from the presence of the Lord. As we look at this conversation, when God asked Satan the question of accountability, Where have you been? And he told him, I've been going back and forth in the earth. From where do you come? I'm coming from the earth. He walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And as the sons of God were in the presence of God, he showed up. He's the accuser of the brethren. And no doubt his ears perked up when God spoke of Job in in such a manner that he said, There's nobody like him in the earth. He's blameless. This is my servant. And Job will be faithful unto death. There's none like him. Imagine if Job only knew that God testified of him like that, that God thought of him in such Special terms. And so the enemy right away went to work. God, you the reason he acts like that towards you is because you blessed him. See, in the mind of the enemy, when people are blessed, they only honor God because of the blessings. That's why you gotta know that the testing of your faith and the fiery trials are coming to perfect you. God doesn't want us attached to things. He wants us attached to him. God doesn't want us loving the world. He wants us loving him. God doesn't want us to be focused on worshiping anything other than him. Our God is jealous, and he's pleased when he finds someone like Job that I can give him things, but the things don't have Job. Job has things, but the things don't have Job. Job has possessions, but the possessions don't possess Job. Job is blessed, but he blesses God. He realizes that what he has comes from the hand of God. Job said, the cause that I knew not, I sought it out. Job sought to bless the widows and the children because he realized that it was God that had given him that he had and even though he was the richest man in the East he humbled himself and he always imparted unto others because he was not attached to things he was attached to the God who was able to do anything he was attached to the God to whom all blessings flow from him Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the father of lights. And so the argument that the enemy had before God about Job was that he fears you for nothing. You built a hedge around him. Everything he had, his household, everything around him, you've hedged the men on every side. For those of you who God has hedged in, when moments come, when it feels like your hedge of protection is gone, don't fret. Don't be afraid. Know this, that the testing of your faith has come to perfect you. It hasn't come to bring you down. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And so Job, is now about to experience the lifting of the hand of God and the putting on of the hand of the enemy. Satan asked God to stretch out his hand and touch him. You can see in the text that the Lord didn't do that. He told Satan, all that he has is in your power. It's in your power, but don't touch his body. So the enemy went to work. And a servant of Job came and told him that the Chaldeans had come and raided the place. And some of the servants were dead and his property was on fire. And while that servant was yet speaking, another servant came. They came and they took the camels and more servants have died. And while that servant was speaking, I said, oh, Lord, your children were in the house having a feast, and the house burned down, and all 10 of your children are gone. He started on the periphery with his property and those his employees, his servants. Then he went a little deeper more servants, more property. Take away your livestock that produces income and provides sustenance for your family. And then he touched his children. I'm talking about Job's seven daughters and three sons who Job every day would get up and sacrifice for because he thought perhaps my children might sin against God. I've got to cover them. He was the kind of father who covered his children every day in prayer. And the tedious nature of a sacrifice for all 10 of them every day, it took work. He had to rise early. He had to focus on God. He wanted to, co- he covered his children. Can you imagine what he thought? With that day, he covered his children, but they were killed. What does that do to your faith? When you believe God and you're covering, you're doing all that you know to do. And this happens. At that point, Job fell to the ground. He ripped his clothes and threw dust on himself. And he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the Bible says in all this, Job didn't curse God because Job was grateful for the things that God gave him, but he never put anything above God. The enemy realized that the things that God was hedging about was not the reason that Job was praising God because all was taken away, including his children, the most precious thing the most precious gift that we're giving because it's life. And even then, Job blessed God. The enemy started working on his wife. And after all that was lost, she said, why don't you curse God and die? Those words are meaningful because the very thing that the devil was trying to get Job to do, his wife spoke it in his hearing. Sometimes, when we're being tried, those who are closest to us, those who we expect to support and uphold us, unbeknownst to them, can be a messenger of Satan. If she was married to Job, although it doesn't tell us a lot about her, I've got to believe she was devout. Watching her husband every day get up covering the children, watching him do what he did for widows and children, watching his purity when he said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look on a virgin in lust. He wouldn't even look in that direction. His wife knew that he was a godly man, that he was a man of God, that he loved God, and she asked him to curse that very God. Why would she do that? Obviously, those things matter to her more than they mattered to Job. And when all of that is lost, she's like, what is this all about? You should just curse God and die. I can imagine the heartbreak that Job felt because she, in effect, with those words, were putting the things above her husband in their marriage, in their relationship. No doubt she was hurt too because she lost all that she had, they had together, and she lost her children. But in times like that, you ought to come closer together, not further apart. And Job looked her in the eye and said, you sound like a foolish woman. You sound like a foolish woman. Can the, God is the one who gives gives, he has the right to take away. I'm going to bless God. You might tell me, advise me to curse him, but you need to be sure and very sure that I'm going to bless God. I'm gonna bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. Everything around me can perish, but I'm gonna bless God. He is my maker. He is my creator. He's the lover of my soul. And all these things that are happening to me, God, if he wills, can take it away in a moment. I will bless the Lord. You sound like a foolish woman. And then the enemy goes back in front of God and says, you know what? I... I'm telling you that skin for skin and flesh for flesh, all that a man has, if you touch his body, he'll curse you. He still wanted God to test Job, to see how devout he really was, to see does he really love you or does he love what you can do for him? Is he really, really with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength in love with you? Or is he in love with the things that you provide him? Are you his God or are you just a sugar daddy? Are you his father who he reverences, or are you the one who he sees as a genie? And so God said, Go. You can do what you want to his body, but you cannot touch his soul. This is the God who says, All souls are mine. And he allowed the greatest test. I don't know if it was greater than losing his children. Because losing 10 children at once, I I don't know, I can't even tell you, begin to tell you what that feels like. But I can tell you this: the enemy. Was after Job. But what he was really after is the thing since the day that Adam and Eve fell, and it will be until Jesus comes again, is to defy the word of God. God said, There's none like Job. He eschews evil, he does good. The devil says he'll curse you. He is always in opposition to the word of God. That's how you can detect a false prophet from afar off. What is the subject of their prophecy? What is the object of it? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If they're lifting up something else or someone else, it's idolatrous. And what Job, what the, the, Satan was trying to find out is or prove, that Job really is not that in love with you. You think that he is, just as you did when you started this thing in the garden. You were pleased with them. You, you thought that they in your image and likeness would be better than you, than me, who you created. I was the anointed cherub that covers, and now they're above me. The truth is, we're a little lower than angels, but anyone who obeys God has the favor of God. When pride, when pride causes you to exalt yourself, which is what happened to Lucifer, the son of the morning, you get what you got. And so now he's trying to bring as many with him to the place that's been prepared for him. But I want to remind you that there's been a, than a place prepared for you and me. And Jesus said, if I go, I will come again. That's the place that God is leading us. The enemy wants to turn us around to follow him. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's an accuser of the brethren. He is against all that is good, but mostly he's against the word of God. And because God made Job and he knew what was in him, And God made you and me, and he knows what is in us. He will never put more on us than we can bear. And with the temptation, he will always give us a way to escape. And so now Job's body is covered with boils. He's in pain day and night. His health is failing. He has moments when he says, I I cursed the day that I was born. Why did my midwife, when I came out of the womb, dash me to the ground? He was saying it would be better, even as blessed as his life was, the intensity of what he was going through, when he measured it, he said it would be better if I was never born than to have to go through this. This is a man whom God testified about who God said there was none like him in the earth, but this trial was so fiery that it brought him to a place where he cursed the day that he was born. To compound Job's trouble and to help perfect him in patience, his his friends who were miserable comforters, came around him and their conclusion was after watching him in horror and sitting in silence for seven days and seven nights, never uttering a word, they came to the conclusion that this only comes upon sinners. You cannot have this kind of hardship and be in right standing with God. Sometimes the testing of our faith gets harder and harder. Even those who you perceive are sent to comfort are sometimes sent to develop patience because you've got to know what you know. Jesus said we talk that we know and we testify what we see. And there are times when we have to be unmovable. We've got to be unshakable. Even though the earth is reeling because of the shaking, the children of God have to be unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor in him shall never be in vain. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And one after another, they were piling on and telling Job that he needed to think and reflect on his life because there is something in his life that causes this. Job, I know you look like a righteous man on the surface. I know you do good with the the blessings and the bounty and abundance that you have, but there must be something that you're not seeing. There's got to be something that we missed when we moved away because God doesn't do this. This has got to be because of your iniquity. And Job went back and forth with them. And finally, he came to the conclusion that you are miserable comforters. But in all of that, Job had moments. He had moments where he realized that God has not left him. All it takes are flashes. There were moments when Job said, though he slay me, yet he slays me, but yet I will trust him. All the days of my appointed time, I'm going to wait till my change comes. That lets us know Job knew that something is changing. Something is transforming. God is working on me. I'm going to wait till my change comes. No longer was Job cursing the darkness. He knew that a change was going to come. And he realized that when he has tried me, Some translations say when he has tested me, I shall come forth as pure gold. In Job 19, 25, and 27, he says this this way. For I know, see, there's some, some things we need to know. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at the last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Job had a vision of the resurrection. When there is something that is about to die, God will spring forth a vision of life. Joe realized that I'm in a bad place, but I know something. I know that my Redeemer lives. So it doesn't matter what happens to my flesh. My Redeemer lives. And the day will come where I'm going to see him with my eyes. He said, I don't care what happens. My skin can be destroyed. I'm in pain. My flesh is falling off. There are boils everywhere. I'm uncomfortable. I can't lay down this way or that way. I'm in constant pain, but I know my Redeemer lives, and I know that in the last day, I'm going to see him. In other words, there's a resurrection. So no matter what happens in this life, I know that my Redeemer lives, and I'm going to be all right. I'm going to see him. There's a yearning in me. The Bible says That the sons of God, those, and that's gender neutral, are yearning, and all creation together are yearning, looking for the redemption. Job is saying, there's a redemption coming. I know it's coming, and I'm going to see him with my own eyes. Doesn't matter no more to me what happens in this body, in this flesh. I'm going to be all right. There is a resurrection. There is life. And in that, in speaking and encouraging himself, he was overcoming the wicked one. He was overcoming the enemy. He was overcoming the plots and the plans of Satan because he realized that if God be for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There's nothing that you can do to me. That's why Jesus said, don't fear man who can kill body and after that they can do nothing else. Fear God who can kill body and soul in hell. But John realized that hell wasn't prepared for me. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. That was prepared for you. You go to your place, I'll go to my place. I'm going with my Redeemer, and I know that my Redeemer lives. There are times in the dark places, times when things are happening and piling on, when we are troubled on every side, that God will send you a vision of life. God will send a word in season. I know what I'm talking about. Not long ago, Very recently, I was in a place where trouble was on every side, from within and from without. And God touched the heart of a friend of mine, a pastor in Tampa, Florida. He picked up the phone and called me. He normally prays for me on voicemail, but that day I picked it up. And he said, I'm surprised to hear your voice, but God told me to pray for you. And he told me what God specifically told him to pray for. The timing was impeccable. So we prayed together and hung up. A few minutes later, I got a long text message, but one that preceded it was from a local friend of mine, pastor, who said, this is a little bit strange because the person, this intercessor, does not know you. But I thought I would send it. And when I read it, I, it was Impossible. It was impossible that this person could sense the place that I was in. It was the Spirit of God, God telling me, Don't be discouraged. Be not dismayed. I'm here with you. This person who I don't know, who I still haven't met till this day, don't know at the time. I didn't know if they were male or female, I didn't know anything. But they started out by saying, in prayer, I cannot move. God won't let me get away from Bob Oliver. I don't know him, but this pastor Bob Oliver, I can't get away from. And then the prayer was prophetic. The prayer was seeing into the things that were all around. And that encouraged me so much. I can run for 10 years on that alone because God was saying, there's nothing in your life that's going on that I'm not aware of. There's nothing that can happen to you that I don't allow. And you need to know that in the end, I've got you. There's a purpose for this. The purpose was clear. And there are some things that we have to go through in order to be prepared for the work that God has for us. We've got to be, if you're going to be a warrior, you've got to train. You've got to know how to fight. You've got to learn how to endure. You've got to learn how to take punches. You've got to learn how to roll with the punches. You've got to learn how to go through. That is the will of God concerning his people. God brings us to a place where he has made ready a people that are ready for greater works. And sometimes trouble is going to be on every, other, every side. But you need to know that the trying of your faith makes you perfect, makes you complete, brings you into the place where you can be a vessel of honor, where you can do the will of God and it be not grievous, where you can go through trials and count it all joy. That doesn't make sense intellectually, but in the spirit, God will fortify you so that you can endure, you can go through with joy. He'll pour out the oil of joy on your circumstances. He'll give you beauty for ashes. He'll give you the garment of praise. When you feel like you can't take another step, he'll put a praise in your spirit. He'll lift you up to a place. You'll hear the voice of God saying, come up higher. God is bringing us into a place where even though things are perilous, there's trouble on every side. God's got a plan. He's gathering his people. As things are being scattered, he's gathering his people. Don't worry about the scattering. The scattering is God's process of separating the wheat from the tare. Those who are children of light from those who sit in darkness. God is saying to his people, some you need to have compassion on because they are lost. They don't know where they're going. And then others pull them out of the fire, hating their garments that are spotted. I just want you to know today that the testing of your faith is to perfect you, is to complete you, to bring you to a place that God has foreordained for you, David said it well in Psalm 34 and 19. He said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. I want you to know, I don't care how many things are coming against you. I don't care how high they're stacked up. And I don't care about the rate that they're piling up. Just like Job, God's thoughts towards you are good, and they're not evil. God has a future and an expected end for you. We are to hope in God. As we keep the faith, many are the afflictions of the righteous. It has nothing to do with unrighteousness. And don't listen to those people who tell you that what's coming on you is because of your past or because of something you've done. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Job sacrificed every day for his children and still his heart was broken. He did the right thing as a steward with the things that he had, but he still suffered loss. And if those of us who name the name of Christ have departed from iniquity, that doesn't mean that affliction stopped. In the world, we're going to have tribulations, but be of good cheer because Jesus has overcome the world. And because we're in him, we're overcomers. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. And I want you to know that the Lord will deliver you out of every fiery trial. He will deliver you out of everything that touches your body. God says, don't be discouraged, don't be dismayed. He's near you. He's so close that he's carrying you. He's carrying you like the man who had the palsy and his four friends carried him, carried him in the presence of Jesus, and he left walking. Carry. God has carriers that'll carry you into his presence, not miserable comforters who will compound your pain. It's time out for miserable comforters. God raise up carriers who will carry the people, the righteous who are afflicted into the presence of the one who's able to deliver them out of them all, to the one who's able to keep that which we commit unto him against that day. And so right now we commit to you, Lord, all that we are, all that we have. We want to be so in love with you that we cannot be separated from you. We know that you can't be separated from us. What can separate us from the love of God? Neither life nor death, angels or principalities, famine or sword. Nothing can separate us, nakedness or peril. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, we just have to know that the trying of our faith comes to perfect us, and that all in all these things is only a test. It's only a test. May we have the faith of the Canaanite woman who passed the test, and Jesus. Said of her, O oh woman, great is your faith. God from heaven testified of Job. And as jo- after Job went through, those miserable comforters found deliverance only when Job prayed for them. There are people in your life who've been deceived, unbeknownst to them. Their comfort has added grief. But God wants you to pray for them. Job told, God told Job's friend, my servant Job will pray for you. And when that happened, they were released when that happened. But here's what I don't want you to miss. Everything that Job lost, his cattle, his sheep, his oxen, his camels were all doubled, double. He gave him double for his trouble. The only thing that wasn't double, that was one for one, was his children. God gave him seven daughters and three sons, just as he had lost. And I believe the word that God was communicating to every generation who would read that word is that when one transitions from death to life, because there is a redeemer, and if they're found in him, they're not lost. They're not lost. They're in his presence. But the things that perish, the things that are replaceable, God double. But the life that he breathed into the nostrils of his children, God was communicating to Job, I've got them, I preserved them. And it was as if he's saying, Job, you're right. Your Redeemer lives. And your Redeemer was your children's redeemer. And that same Redeemer has brought them into his presence. And so be encouraged no matter what you're going through. Don't allow anything to separate you from the lover of your soul. Satan, the Lord rebukes you. Take your hand off God's children. Release their minds. They are renewed in the spirit of their minds right now. Just as for a season, You had Job wandering in the dark, God sent forth a revelation of light and life. There shall be a resurrection. There shall be a resurrection. Those things that are ready to die, God is gonna spring forth with new life. Those things in our lives that need to die, the things in our flesh, that the trials, the fiery trials are burning off, that are falling away. We say, let it be so. And God, let that which remains be only for you. Draw us nearer, nearer, my God, to thee. I pray for your people everywhere, those that are suffering, those who are suffering loss, those who have had setbacks financially, I pray that you would send a word. I say that you would, I pray that you would send resources. I pray that you would send carriers in their lives to carry them. So just as you did for me, in a moment of need, let them know that you're with them. Let them know that you're right there. Let them know that the pain that they're feeling is temporary so that joy can burst through. In the midst of pain, joy can burst through. And so God, today, we say it is so. And so it is in the life of everyone who receives this. Everyone who receives this word. It is so. They're being renewed in the spirit of their mind. And I pray God that they would present their body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is their reasonable service. And that they would not be conformed to this world, but that they would be transformed by the renewing of their mind. And God caused them to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This I pray for the lives of everyone who receives it. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, our Lord our savior and our soon coming king. And now unto him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that's working in us, to him be glory In the church throughout all ages and let all God's people say, Amen. Somebody type, Amen. Somebody say Amen in the kitchen. Somebody say Amen in the living room. Somebody say Amen in the bathroom. Somebody say Amen in the bedroom. Somebody say Amen in the basement. Somebody say Amen in the family room.